0: Today, we're going to read from Acts 1 8, which is um, a very key text for us in this series. So let's read this together. All right, you guys ready? On three, one, two, three. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come and fill us in all your power. Lord, we want to be full of who you are. God, your presence, Lord, just let it be an overflow in our life. Your presence, your um, your power. Lord, that's what we want. Um, speak to us this morning. God, remove any, every distraction. In your mighty name we pray, amen. And amen. Awesome. Thank you. So last week we drove this series sort of out of the gate with some big kind of overarching ideas about what the series is going to tell us. Uh, as we go through the book of Acts and and sort of how we're going to navigate our way through. And so we had these four big overarching ideas, two potential cul-de-sacs that we want to avoid that we talked about, and at least three outcomes that we're praying for for this house. And so if you missed that, or even if you were here, it's kind of nice to regroup. And uh, here's what they were. The four major themes that we're going to see throughout this series is, number one, we're going to see the authority, of Jesus. That's going to be the one main, one of the main themes that we're going to see throughout this book, that Jesus is Lord. In fact, let's just, let's just say that if you believe that this morning, if you're not sure yet, just hang on. But if you believe it like deep down, can we just say that together? Jesus is Lord. Ready? Three, two, one. Jesus is Lord. So that's, that's a big idea in this book. That It's a different idea that I'm just going to church today and just kind of, just, let's see what the guy has to say and kind of see how that matches up with what I'm thinking. It's a different idea to say, Jesus, you are Lord of all, and you are Lord of my life. And it's a major theme in the book of Acts. And so the second theme that we talked about is that we all have an assignment. And that assignment is to carry the name of Jesus to every person alive on the planet earth. That's not somebody else's assignment. That's our assignment. It's your assignment. You are, if you didn't know it, you are plan A. That's why you're alive, is to be a part of carrying the name of Jesus to every person on this planet. For that assignment, we talked about how there is assistance. And that assistance is the power of the person of Holy Spirit. And then we talked about how the net of all of that is this assimilation. And what that means is that God is gathering people from every nation and every tribe and every race and every tongue into a body, a family called the church, so that under his authority, he's given us that assignment. And he's given us that power through the Holy Spirit to fulfill the assignment so that people can come to life and be gathered into his family that Jesus is building in this world. All right, so we talked about two potential cul-de-sacs. What are cul-de-sacs? It's a a place where you can just kind of get lost and going in circles for a while. And and there are cul-de-sacs in the church and for you and for me. And um, Acts is trying to blow up some of those cul-de-sacs. With a cul-de-sac, you know, you go down the road and and then there's just a circle in the end and God's wanting to keep the road going for you and for me. And so two of those potential cul-de-sacs we'll see all the way through this book. In fact, we're gonna see this again in chapter 2 today, because it's a thread that's woven throughout the whole book of Acts. But one of those cul de is that we would try to do what God has called us to do in our own strength. You ever been there before? You know, I, I know what God wants me to do, and I know that he wants, how he wants me to live, but I'm going to try to do what he wants me to do and live like he wants me to live in my own power. And and so have you ever been there before and it didn't work? (laughs) And you thought, well, why isn't it working? I'm doing what God wants me to do. And I'm I'm trying to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish, but I'm hitting a brick wall. And it's because we're doing that in our own strength. And so Acts is letting us know that that's a potential cul-de-sac that people could get into. So the second cul-de-sac that we talked about was that we would just keep it all to ourselves. And and the picture that we used last week um, and we're gonna use for this series is that of a flaming arrow that God wants to light up the church. Um, And again, we can't do that in this building because we're a rule-keeping church, but uh, the the light up the church, which is the shaft of this arrow. Uh, And so just imagine with me that this is on fire Um, and that the point or the tip of the arrow is the authority of Jesus. The tip is the gospel in our mouths and he's always the lead story. He's always the headline. We're the shaft, and the feathers, or the fletchling it's called, is the word of God that's navigating and stabilizing our flight. And But we're not just flying like an arrow. We're on fire flying because of Holy Spirit. We are a flaming arrow flung by the bow of, of sovereign Holy Spirit. That's what he does and the will of God. So there's enormous power that is launching us on fire with the authority of Jesus and the gospel in our mouths, the word of God that's stabilizing our flight, those feathers, um, and, and to go into our city and our neighborhood and our business and our school, wherever we are, poof, a fire would just break out. Fire will spread and that fire spreads, is, spreading is a part of the assignment of taking the name of Jesus to all the people on planet earth. So we're not just looking for a little campfire right here in the Destiny campus. We're looking for Flaming Arrows to be launched out from this campus, amen? And, so, and then we, we, we said we wanted three outcomes and one of those is obvious is that all would go, that it's all of us, all of us. It's our plan A, that's, that's, that's plan A is us, that's the goal. So if, if this series works, at some point, if God's word works in our lives, I'm gonna feel the same thing that you're gonna feel, which is I'm an axe. I'm a part of this. This is what the early apostles did, but I'm a follower of Jesus in my present generation. So I wanna keep on that same journey. And so not only would we all go, but our prayer as a church is that some would go far. Some would, you know, go as, as far away as Fort Morgan, Colorado. Some of you, <laughs> even further. This this series will will not really accomplish everything that God has set out for it to accomplish if if we just all become experts in Acts. That's not the goal. It will only accomplish what it set out to accomplish if we all go into the world with the gospel. And some of us are gonna go back to our place of business or our school campuses with a different mindset, but some of you are gonna leave Rapid City and leave your family and leave what you've known and leave comfort behind and leave a financial grid that makes sense to you and, and your family and you're going to relocate to another part of the world. I was there when Tiffany was selling all of her stuff and getting ready to leave Denver and go to Honduras. I mean, she sold everything. And you're like, well, certainly, you know, I'll let this happen, but it's not going to be me or my family. That's, you know, that's what's, you know, but that's what's going to be powerful. When it becomes you or your family, you will know that the the fire fell on the arrow, uh, that is you, and that the bow launched you, Holy Spirit will launch you further than you thought you were gonna go, <laughs> all for his glory. So if we don't say goodbye to some individuals and some families that are part of destiny as the result of the prompting of Holy Spirit over these some years, we haven't really seen the word of God do what it wants to do in our house. That's a natural and a good thing to see. So the second outcome is simply that we would live with courage and confidence in a world that seems to be unhinged. So we need a qualifier here because um, the world isn't unhinged because God isn't unhinged. Can I just get an amen to that? God isn't, and as long as God's not unhinged, then everything's working according to his plan. So accordingly, we don't freak out like everybody else in the world. We have a confidence and a courage because of the authority of Jesus. And then the third outcome simply is that we would be rooted in and sent from a church marked by deeds and words. That when we come to chapter two, we're getting around this idea of the authority and the assignment and the assistance and the assimilation. And, and I love it. You don't, you don't have to read Acts like, you know, in the first uh, few chapters, it was all about the authority, and the next few chapters, it's about the assignment, and the next chapters, is about the assistance, and then the next you know few chapters at the end, it was finally about the assimilation. No, all of them, authority, assignment, assistance, and assimilation are in every chapter of Acts, and as they are in all the gospel, because it's all one story, and we actually see all of them throughout all the scriptures. So in chapter two, we're not going to get all the way through today, because it's, this is one of the greatest moments in history that we're looking at this morning. Not just church history, but all of history that's happening right before us. So in this chapter, there are four major movements. We're just going to hit one this morning. One, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Two, the gospel is boldly preached. Three, people are radically saved. And four, the church kind of explodes into life. So that's all in chapter two. So, But let's try to just take on one of those big ideas today, and that is Holy Spirit is poured out on the church, and we see this in chapter two, verse one. We're going to read this together, or I'll read it and you can follow along um, on the screen or in your scripture. Well, uh, and we'll read down to verse twelve. And it says, "On the day of Pentecost was uh, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place, and suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm." The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all that anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. Now at that time, verse 5, there were Jewish worshipers who had emigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. Now, can we just pause for a second because I don't want us to miss this. It, it will just help you and me to, as as we see all of this unfold. So Jesus Christ, he comes into Jerusalem during Passover, and we're all sort of on board with that, right? And during Passover, uh, Jews would come to celebrate this feast from all over the world. Because uh, over centuries, the Jewish people, they would have settled in different parts of the world by their own choosing and by the fact that they were exiled out into other countries over the centuries because of their disobedience. And so Jews would have traveled out from Jerusalem and from this region to the known world, in the, the, the existing world that they knew. But during the Passover, um, it, it's kind of like this, this big family reunion that happens. And they would gather back into the city in Jerusalem. And so Jesus Christ, he was, he was crucified and he was dead and he was buried. And then at the, at some point after that, we didn't, we don't know exactly how long Holy Spirit came on those followers and that Jesus said, wait until you receive power. The verse that we opened up with one eight the church will one eight wait until you receive power. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the picture here is a city filled with God-fearing Jews from all over the known world. And in this moment, Holy Spirit comes. And so when you pick up back in verse five, this makes a little more sense. It says, now at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had emigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When When the people of the city heard, heard what? The roaring sound, crowds came running to see where it came from and stunned over what was happening because each one could hear So they're hearing something besides just the roaring sound, they heard something else. They heard them, the disciples who were speaking in his or her. Own language bewildered they said to one another aren't these all Galileans so how is it here how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages we are uh, northeastern Iranians Northwestern Iranians Elamites and those from Mesopotamia Judah East central Turkey the coastal areas of the Black Sea Asia north Central Turkey southern Turkey Egypt Libyans who are neighbors of, of Cyrene visitors from all over the Roman Empire both Jews and converts to Judaism Cretans and Arabs yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty Wonders in our own dialects, they all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, What is this phenomenon? Is it just me? Again, I just want to, it just feels like we're standing on holy ground today. And I mean, can you just imagine this moment? Je- Jesus says, I'm going to give you an assignment. I'm going to give you church an assignment. You're going to be my representatives to the whole world, but I don't want you to do that until you have a significant power source to do that. So you wait until Holy Spirit comes and then you'll be my witnesses everywhere. (laughs) So they're doing what he asked. They're waiting in this moment and a sound comes and startles them, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes from the heavens, fills the whole house, and what seems like tongues tongues of fire come down, they separate, they land on everybody in the house, and they all start speaking languages that they don't know. I mean, this is Rosetta Stone in an instant. This is crazy. This is Duolingo in a flash. This is like, boom, boom. And, and you're going to start talking Italian because, you know, we've got visitors from Rome here and they need to hear the gospel and see the power of God. And so what better way than have a Galilean speak a language that they don't know, but that they do know so that they'll know that God knows everything, <laughs> And so you start talking and you're like, am I talking in Italian? (laughs) I think I'm talking. I can't do it. but But I don't know until I meet an Italian. And when I meet an Italian out in the street, I was like, oh my goodness, I am speaking Italian. I'm blown away. They're blown away. We're all blown away right now by what God is doing somebody else over there, they're speaking another language, and then that person over there is speaking another language, and they're speaking another language, and the sound of heaven and the sound of those languages was so loud that a crowd just immediately began to gather and just see what is going on. Now, during this time, the population of Jerusalem would have been swelled, some some scholars say to 50,000, some say to 200,000, and I mean, any number, 50,000 would be a lot of people for this day and age in this little bitty town like Jerusalem. If you've been to Jerusalem, it's not a big place. And and for 50,000 people, if we go to the low end in the city of Jerusalem, in this day and age, there are people that are just everywhere. And this sound of heaven and this sound of the, of the people speaking the languages of the known world instantly just draws this crowd. And so there's a few things that we see in the heart of God right away in this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning. The first one is this, God's plans require power. That's, that's the number one thing we see. You cannot fulfill the purpose of God in human strength. None of us can. And guess what? God never intended for you to. God's plans require Holy Spirit power, his power. Just to paint a picture. Have any of you ever tried to do a big grill party? You know, you get, you get that big grill and you get all the meat, you know, cook a bunch of steaks and veggies and maybe some brats and dogs uh, for a large group of people. And, and you've got the tiki torches all lit and um, the picnic tables are all out and everybody's coming. But then you get all that meat on the grill and you find out that the temperature of the meat is overpowering and putting out the fire. Anybody ever had that experience before? And you've got all the people coming, but the, 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 just the presence of the meat and the temperature of the meat is putting out the fire. Anybody been there? And then you realize, you know, we've got way more meat than we've got fire and you've got hungry people. Well, that's exactly the picture that's being painted here of a lot of us in the church. We've got more meat than we've got fire. And we've got more ideas and more hopes. And we've got this passion stirring in us and more dreams. And we actually have fire. And we're sitting here going, man, Jesus is alive. The kingdom uh, has been launched. And we're agents of the kingdom. But if you take a look up under the meat, there's not any grill marks there yet. <laughs> and God wants to make sure that you know and that I know that there is adequate fire for whatever he's called you to do. There is. There is. But if you go to Walmart and you get a grill and you put some charcoal in it, it might not work, (laughs) right? It might not be sufficient for all that you want to grill. But if you say to God, thank you for giving us the promise of your Holy Spirit so that we now are able to live the kind of lives that you want us to live and to do the things that you've called us to do, you will accomplish it. And so there will be sufficient fire to cook your meat and to, do, and to have the feast that you've been hoping that you would have. God's plans require God's power. Yeah. So the second thing that I, I want us to notice about the coming of the Holy Spirit is that there's an immediate result and that the assignment was fully fulfilled in a partial way. You're like, that sounds really confusing. Well, I'll say it again and maybe it'll be less confusing (laughs) Um, and then we'll explain. The second result of the Holy Spirit coming is that the assignment, remember the the authority and the assignment and the assistance and the assimilation the assignment was fully fulfilled in a partial way right then and there when Holy Spirit came so that everybody would understand who Holy Spirit is and understand what he likes and, and what he's about because he's not like our agent in life, we're his agents in life. And so it's important for me to function well with him and to know what he likes and what he's about. And we see that right in this text. The immediate result is that the assignment to take the gospel to all people was fulfilled in this partial way. And you'll see it right here in this next verse. And so just just to kind of preface this, we've got four verses about Holy Spirit coming. That's the whole thing, by the way. The whole Holy Spirit coming to us is four verses. But I, but I want you to see that the next four verses are about the assignment being fulfilled so that you and I can be comfortable knowing that purpose and power that we talked about last week are inseparably linked together. So it says in verse 5, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, the crowds came together and they heard him speaking in their own languages. Verse 7, it says, bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans Then they ask again, verse 8, how is it that we all hear them speaking in our own languages? And then he goes on to say, here's the list. Northeastern Iranians, northwestern Iranians, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judah, east-central Turkey, the the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, north-central Turkey, southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans who are are the neighbors of the Syrian, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, uh, Cretans and Arabs, yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders. In our own dialects. I don't know how many of us got a lot of stuff circled and underlined and arrows pointing in and footnotes and all kind of stuff in those two verses right there in our Bible. Probably not a lot because what we do is we look at that and that's just a list of places and you know let's just get down to the point but that is the point. (laughs) That's the point. So I, I looked up a map of of all these areas mentioned in the verses that we just read. We're going to put that on the screen. And so you see uh, each of the people or the regions named on this map. And so what what you would have to understand or what we would have to understand is in our world, we're thinking, oh, this is kind of a map, you know, of, of the Middle East and North Africa and a little bit of Europe that we see there. But in their mind, in this day, this was the whole known world. This is the whole known world of power. And so starting with the center point of power in Rome and spreading out to the great kingdoms that they had um, in in, in their history, all the great kingdoms that we read about in the Old Testament are all represented in this zone right here. And so when you put the Christians on the Isle of Crete and you put Romans visiting over in Italy and you put it all on the map and you see from far over to what's you know Iraq and Iran, um, down to Saudi Arabia and up to the north of Turkey and all of Asia Minor and and all across North uh, Africa, all of these areas, Had representatives um, in Jerusalem during the feast, and they're all hearing the gospel in their languages. So think about it. When Jesus said, The Spirit is going to come, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, guess what happened? On day one, when Holy Spirit came, The known world of the time heard the gospel story of the wonders of God on the first day. The assignment that God sent for them was fully fulfilled in this partial way, right? That all of the known world heard the gospel through their mouths empowered by Holy Spirit on the very first day. Holy Spirit loves to be a geography-centered force, and when you and I become filled with who Holy Spirit is, geography will be, well, it'll, it'll really, really light us up. You know why? Because we'll be concerned with more with how long it takes for us to get to our house to church and back, because we want to be in the house of God, we want to be in, in the house with God's people, and we'll be concerned with the places on earth who have yet to hear the story of Jesus. And how far and how long it takes to get there with the story of Jesus, immediately an explosion happened out of this little bitty outpost called Jerusalem, this insignificant blip on Rome's radar. And it's Jesus saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, not on Rome. They have some authority, but not all authority. And even Rome is going to be impacted by the gospel on day one. (laughs) Even Rome, Romans are gonna get saved by the power of Jesus as the spirit enables them to the church to preach the gospel to all people. So it's not unlike, I just want us to think about this and just go here with me for just a second. It's not unlike Rapid City, South Dakota. It's why we set the table for students, you know, through the International Students Outreach. Thank you to the Loftbergs for doing that. With the School of Mines and the, and the tourist attractions in the area, we're probably the most, you know, diverse uh, 50 square miles in our state. uh, making it possible to preach the gospel to almost the whole world without ever leaving the surroundings of Rapid City in the same way that the gospel spread to the whole world on day one in the city of Jerusalem. It's why we do projects like the stocking outreach and the community harvest parties and vacation Bible school and the Thanksgiving box outreach. If you and I will see this in our minds, I will help us to know how to tap into the power of Holy Spirit because see your purpose in life isn't to be the lead person of your company. That that may be what you're gifted to do, but it's not your purpose in life. Your purpose is, is not to be an artist. Although you're a gifted artist, maybe that's what you're gifted to do, but it's not your purpose in life. Being an entrepreneur is not your purpose in life. Being a banker is not your purpose in life. It's not why you were created and why you're alive today. Being a mother is not your purpose in life. It's, why you're, it's not why you were created and, and why you're living on earth. It's what you are gifted to do right now by the unique gifting of God. But our purpose is to carry the name of Jesus to the whole world. We all have that assignment. That's our purpose. And just like Jerusalem was this epicenter, and in that moment surprised people. Rapid City is an epicenter in this moment that has the potential to surprise people. <laughs> and so I don't know you know, where somebody else is preaching this text today on Pentecost Sunday, but we're preaching it near the, the home of one of the most, most visited attractions in America, in Mount Rushmore, and guess what? We are naturally posed to be lit on fire by the Spirit of God to touch the entire world with the story of Jesus. Yeah. If we can get some people lit up by Holy Spirit, all that going and coming and going and coming in our region can have a gospel purpose. Amen. So say your job takes you to Moscow uh, and back six times, but you never shared the gospel with anybody. What's the point? Well, I've been going you know, to do business in Moscow. Big deal. It's, it's not going to make a hill of beans difference in eternity. Sorry. If, if you didn't share something with a, a taxi driver or a maid in your hotel room, or, or the guy that you did business with, or you didn't sow a seed of prayer as you're walking down the street, a seed of faith while you were there, I'm on the scene and I am praying, and I'm a carrier of the glory of, of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, we see the immediate result of what happened in scripture. The same results will happen in us. The third thing, that we see that immediately happens when Holy Spirit comes is there's a noticeable change in people. I want to say that one one more time. There's a noticeable change in people. So we're not simply talking about this theological idea that, uh, you know, you sort of, sort of as a footnote in your mind. We're talking about a recognizable change in people. And before we get too crazy here, we're, we're not really getting down into personality types. Well, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. Well, congratulations. I am too. <laughs> I, I am. You're like, no, you're not. Look at you. You're up there on the, you're on the stage. Well, you should see me when I'm not up here. I mean, my natural habitat is I go in a shell. I'm, it makes a hermit crab jealous. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm kind of a big time introvert. That's who I am. But it's, it's not about personality type. It's not. It's not about where you fit on the disc profile. When Holy Spirit comes into our lives, there is a noticeable change in us and you and I. Well, where do we get that? They were all filled with Holy Spirit And they began to declare the wonders of God in languages that they didn't even know. And if you take the net of that, that doesn't mean that I need to speak Bulgarian to know that I've been filled with Holy Spirit, but there has to be something about me that's different because Holy Spirit is in my life than it would be if Holy Spirit wasn't in my life. You can't have the third person of the Trinity active in your life and not have some noticeable residual because of him in your life. And so immediately when they were filled, all of them, all of them were moved by the power of the spirit. Now, I don't think that we have to be moved in the exact same way, but there was a noticeable change. <laughs> the, the world recognized it and they saw it. And if there isn't, I'm, I'm not up here saying, it, honestly, anything to anybody. I'm, I'm just trying to tend my own garden most of the time. Um, But if there's nothing different about us, because Christ is in us and the Holy Spirit is in us, then what difference does he make in our lives, right? If the whole point of being filled is an assignment and and not just this mental association with a belief, assignment requires some action, some movement, right? I've gotta do something. We don't don't all have to go preach. Some of you are gonna be the ones to raise money to help other people go and preach. Uh, But you'll be raising the money with purpose and with power. Uh, Some of you will be the facilitators of other people going and preaching, but you'll be facilitating it with purpose and power. You'll be training people up. And there'll be a noticeable change in your life. You know, whenever we talk about Holy Spirit, I think there's always that sense of, for some people, like, oh, yeah, all right, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit. And then there's other people like, oh, my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit. (laughs) And probably most of us are somewhere in the middle. And I just want you to know this morning that Holy Spirit isn't weird. (laughs) Holy Spirit isn't weird. Um, So you don't have to be nervous. When we talk about Holy Spirit coming and empowering uh, us to live out the mission of the gospel. Holy Spirit, he's he's wonderfully powerful. He, but on the other side of it, he's not average either. He's not average. He's he's not weird, but he's not blended in, and he's not blasé, and you know nobody noticed him. Kind of run of the mill either. But he's powerful, and when he comes in our lives in power, we will see that in our lives. I think the key. And let me just sidebar here for a minute. I think the key is this. I want to be a person who is equally excited about the gospel going as I am about Holy Spirit coming. And I think this is the lane that God wants us to live out in Acts 2. Some people, all they want to talk about is Holy Spirit coming. I want, to get, I, want to, I want the Holy Spirit to come and I, I want to feel his presence and I want to be filled up. But they never talk about the gospel going. Some people, all they talk about is the gospel going, but they never want to talk about the Holy Spirit coming. And I want to live in this text right here and I want to embrace the fact that Holy Spirit has come. Yeah, this is awesome. What would we do without him, right? Without Holy Spirit, we've got a, a cookout that didn't go anywhere. We've got some cold meat. But at the same time, is it all about Holy Spirit coming, right? You know, or am I really as excited about the gospel going? Because from verse one to verse 12, we see the whole story unfold and bam, you know, there's this sound from heaven, but the, the, the first sound we heard from heaven was, was all the world hearing the gospel. <laughs> That was the first sound. We did hear heaven, and it it wasn't weird. It was the whole world hearing the gospel. It was the whole world declaring the wonders of God in every language, out loud, declaring the wonders of God. When Holy Spirit came, heaven came. And when heaven came, the whole world declared the wonders of God in one moment, and the gospel went forth. And you're going to see that through the rest of the chapter. So I want to be in the zone of saying, I don't want to get camped out around Holy Spirit coming. And I don't want to get camped out around the gospel going. I want to keep in the spirit of the gospel going because of the Holy Spirit empowering us to do that. (laughs) And that's the beauty of it all. I, I want to be a flaming arrow. That's sent out, not a campfire that just sits in one place, but a flaming arrow that goes out, poof, and ignites a place with a fire that's sent out further than we ever think it's gonna go because it's sent out by Holy Spirit. Not a campfire. And the Holy Spirit, you know what he does? This is what Holy Spirit does, he makes much of Jesus. That's what he does. I I love how John's gospel says this. If you just turn a few pages back, it's so beautiful. And there's a lot in these chapters about Holy Spirit as Jesus teaches us about him. But I love what he says in chapter 15 of John, verses 26 and 27. He says, and I will send you the divine encourager from the very presence of my father. He will come to you, the spirit of truth emanating from the father, and he will speak to you about me. And you will tell everyone the truth about me, for you have walked with me from the start. And what does that mean? I'm trying to help us in the middle here and pastor us just a little bit. It means that Holy Spirit's primary objective is to put Jesus front and center, right? That's why when he came, they didn't preach about Holy Spirit. They, they preached about Jesus. When Holy Spirit empowered them, they didn't preach a sermon about Holy Spirit. They preached a sermon that said, we told you that he was coming. Now let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus. And then uh, Peter, we're gonna see next week, preaches one of the most profound messages that's ever preached, but he preaches in the power of Holy Spirit. And that's why you see the supernatural result that happens after it. And so that's the key idea behind Holy Spirit. He loves to put Jesus front and center. And around here, we really believe in the power of Holy Spirit. It's in our DNA, it's who we are. And that's why Jesus is our lead story, because it's the Holy Spirit's lead story also. So when you hear us say, Jesus is our lead story, Holy Spirit doesn't go, what about me? <laughs> he does it. He, he, he goes, come on with it. I'll empower you to lift up the name of Jesus and make him the headline. I give you supernatural ability to make Jesus your lead story. So I think it's just living in that balance where we really understand the fullness of what this is all about. And in so many places, Romans 8, 9, 11, you can look at it and it talks about the Spirit of Christ, capital S. So we're a Jesus church, but we very much want to be filled by Holy Spirit. Some people ask, well, people ask all the time, are you a Spirit-filled church? I say, yes, we are. (laughs) because we are, and I pray we continue to be, and that's going to happen when each one of us says, is there a noticeable change in me? Am I operating in the power of the Holy Spirit? And is there something about me that says to other people, that's not you, there must be something else. And I go, it is something else. It's the power of the Spirit of Christ, capital S, Holy Spirit in me. And that Spirit is giving me the courage and the boldness and the confidence to make Jesus known in my world. But you know, pastorally, it's important for me to say this, this there, there is power in the Holy Spirit, but you'll see in, in Acts, there is another spirit and there are other spirits. And so Deanna and I, we're, we're always leading as pastors with that in mind. First John four verses one and two says, test the spirits. What, is, what does that mean? It means that there are spirits on earth and the Holy Spirit isn't the exclusive spirit operating on earth. He's not the exclusive supernatural force on earth. And so you test the spirits. You see that in Acts. Um, in fact, let's just let's jump ahead a little bit to Acts chapter 16. I love this story. Acts 16, Paul and Silas are preaching and they're trying to fulfill the assignment and the power of the Holy Spirit. But it says in verse 16, one day as they were going to the house of prayer, we encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination, the spirit of Python. She had earned great profits for her owners by being a fortune teller. And she kept following us shouting, these men are servants of the great high God and they're telling us how to be saved. So she kept this up for many days. And so you think, well, what's wrong with that? Why wouldn't you want that? What's wrong with it? It says it right in the scripture. We'll see it. Read it in just a second. It was annoying is what it was wrong with that because Paul and Silas were trying to in, in, engage people as, as God was leading them and the whole time they couldn't even have a conversation because she was behind them drowning out whatever they're trying to say. These, you know, these are, are servants of the most high God and they're like, yeah, great, thanks. Can we just bring that down a little bit because we're trying to have a conversation with the shop owner right now about whether or not they want to put their faith in Jesus. And so it says day after day, she continued to do this until Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit indwelling her, I command you in the name of Jesus and the anointed one to come out of her now. And at that very moment, the spirit came out of her. Now, the problem was the owners of the slave girl were frustrated. So then they had Paul and Silas come into some persecution because they shut down their business, basically. And so the interesting point of this to me as a pastor is, is this woman had the ability to tell people their fortune, right? And she could tell people what was gonna happen to them in the future. And she was good enough at it that she was making some bank on it. She was making some money for her owners, which means the stuff that she was saying was happening, but it wasn't Holy Spirit. It was a spirit. And that spirit ultimately was diminishing the proclamation of the gospel under the guise of saying something that everybody would agree with. These men are servants of the most high God. So there, there, there wasn't that spirit that said, you know, here comes Paul and Silas. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you these guys are not true, that these guys are not what you want to be listening to. He said, let me tell you why. That didn't happen. Because the enemy masquerades as an angel of light. And so what happens a lot of times is we throw Holy Spirit, the church will throw Holy Spirit out because of all the spirits on earth. We're kind of afraid of that stuff. And we're just like, let's get rid of all the spirits. And we don't want to do that. We just want to cling to Holy Spirit, uh, you know, because we need his power. But you just want, you, you just want to have in your heart 1 John 4, test the spirits, right? Well, well they're telling me to, the things that are happening in the, and they're happening in my life. Okay, well, that could be good or that could be very problematic. Um, so then how do you know? Just very quickly. It acts too, we see this a couple of ways. I, I put this down in your notes. Couple of ways that you can know. First of all, Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus, and so any any spirit that doesn't ultimately talk a lot about Jesus, there's going to be a check in my heart about that spirit. And if I'm around Holy Spirit people, you know, all week long, and they don't talk about Jesus, that's going to be a check in my spirit also, because Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. That's what He does, and Holy Spirit leads to holy living. So if people aren't living holy and they're talking a lot about the Spirit, you might want to have a check in your heart about what the you know um, what that Spirit is. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect perfect. perfect that's not what that means but it means that there's going to be a tension in our lives to live holy i want to live holy we'll see that right in the text as we close today the third thing that holy spirit does is it gives you a boldness in opposition to do what you normally can't do doesn't matter your personality type the fourth thing about holy spirit that we see in chapter two is that he gives us a passion for missions or for a missional get outside of these doors mindset not just a passion for for more of the spirit but a passion to go so do you understand? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pastor us right now. So this isn't a, just a, a theology of, of Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm just pastoring. So if, you're, if your Holy Spirit friend never talks about the lost or never talks about, you know, unreached people groups or never talks about, you know, God's word in their heart, never talks about the persecuted church, never shares the gospel, isn't engaged in any kind of global expansion of the gospel, then at some point you're like, well, Holy Spirit came in four verses, and then in the next paragraph, we read about how the gospel went to all the people on the planet Earth because Holy Spirit gives us a passion for missional outreach. And you're like, well, I've never cared about missions. I've, I've never really given a rip about the lost people of the world. Well, there's something wrong with that picture. That's right. Because Holy Spirit gives you and me a passion for the lost people of the world because that's what he is passionate about. And he puts that in you and me, and he gives us marks of power in our lives, and he gives us an outward focus so we feel like we can walk forward because we're looking outward at what he's calling us to do, not inward at where we are. So Holy Spirit isn't weird, but he is wonderfully powerful and I just want you to know he's not average or ordinary either. And there should, there should be some sort of noticeable change in you and me when Holy Spirit has control in our lives. And then the fourth thing, and we'll close uh, with this and get ready to pray in a few moments. But the fourth thing is that the gospel goes out. Peter Steps right up, and we'll go into this next week, but Peter begins to explain how all this has happened. Then immediately, Peter launches into the proclamation of who Jesus is by the power of Holy Spirit. And at the end of the day, 3,000 people come to know Jesus that very day because of the proclamation of Jesus and the power of Holy Spirit. Man, I long for that. I long for that. I long for us to live in that kind of power that when the gospel is proclaimed that we see that exponential explosion of the church because of Holy Spirit that is in us. And then the proclamation of the story of Jesus. They went from 120 people in chapter one to that very day, 3,000 people were added to their number. And the reason why is because in both the prophecy of Holy Spirit and the preaching of Jesus, one key phrase And I close with this in view, it's verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. And this this has been foretold by the prophets and Peter stood right up in their midst. The people thought that they were crazy. They thought they were drunk when they're out there in the streets and speaking all these languages. Some people made fun of them. And Peter stood up and he said, let me explain to you what's happening here. You remember Joel and all the God-fearing Jews? And, and they went, oh, of course we know Joel. We know Joel. Isn't that beautiful? It was important for these God-fearing Jews to know that this wasn't some crazy new thing, but this was all rooted in the old thing in their mind. And so he said, you remember Joel? He said, in the last days, your sons and daughters will have the spirit of God poured out in their lives. Amen. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That was Joel. He said, your old men are going to be in on it, <laughs> yeah. and, and your young men are going to be in on it. Men and women are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's, they're going to prophesy And he said that the sky is going to turn dark and the moon's going to turn like blood, and that the great and glorious day of the Lord is going to appear. The day of the Lord is coming, and the day when what you think will not matter anymore, and all of our opinions will be reduced to nothing in a heartbeat, and Jesus will be revealed, and truth will be revealed, and righteousness will be revealed, and the nations will tremble before an almighty God, and all of our reasoning and our explanations. And our, well, I thought and I believed and I decided none of that will matter in that moment because God will be revealed as the God of the ages, the one who is and is to come. And he said, in that day, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what Joel said. Peter said, <laughs> and I'm just pastoring today and trying to lead us today. Hardly anybody that I talked to you about the last days, you know, when it says God's spirit is going to be poured out on the sons and daughters and they're going to prophesy. If I say for what reason, you know, I don't know because that's what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. You know, we're, we're going to all be prophets. Why? Why are we all going to be? Well, you know, because Holy Spirit is going to be poured out and we're all going to prophesy. Not just Moses, not just Aaron, not just Joel. Uh, we're all going to be prophets and we're all going to speak up when that day comes. Why? And they're like, well, I don't know. Well, read the rest of the passage, right? Read the, read the rest of the paragraph. Because the sky, it says, is gonna turn black and the moon is gonna to turn to blood and the great and glorious coming of the day of the Lord is gonna appear on earth. But in that moment, whoever is calling on the name of the Lord will be saved. So sons and daughters, guess what? You are prophesying now in the power of Holy Spirit. You will have dreams and visions because of power of Holy Spirit. Why? What would they be? They're going to be signposts for us to lead us on the journey. They'll they'll be roadmaps for us to lead us on in the world. They'll be pictures for us to jolt us out of our comfort zone and into the nations with the story of God. Why? Because there's coming a day when everybody needs to have called on the name of the Lord to be saved. So right in the text, right in the fire, right in the upper room, right in that very first moment, and in the fulfilling of prophecy attached to it from Joel, we see authority of God. We see the assignment for the nation. We see the empowering assistance of the Holy Spirit that the church can be born. Amen. So yes, we celebrate today. We're, we're in, we're in the last days. Yes, we are. Do you believe in the last days? People ask me and I say, yes, we've been in, in them for like 2000 years, apparently. <laughs> but I mean, do you think Jesus might come this year? And you know what my reaction is to that? How would I know? I wouldn't waste my time trying to figure that out. I am on assignment. Amen. I am on assignment. I have an assignment. I wanna spend all my time that I have making sure that people hear about Jesus. And so how amazing. Thank you, Joel, for just giving this beautiful arc that today is the day that all of us in this room can be filled with the power of Holy Spirit. Through faith in Christ, that door is open. Peter preached and the hearts are pierced and he preached about Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension and his lordship and his power and authority And their hearts are pierced. And this is how this chapter ends. It says, what do we need to do, brothers? Um, And then Peter replied to that question, repent and return to God. Each one of you Must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one to have your sins removed that you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And next verse down, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of the world, distinctive life by the gift of Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus, whereby we didn't just believe in something, but we live out our lives. The match has been struck fully alive on fire and on assignment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Derek, come on up.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you, Jesus.
1: That was wonderful. My voice doesn't sound like I mean that, but I do. Okay, so we forgot communion. We really did. He said we didn't. We totally forgot (laughs) communion. We're just bringing it back. Okay, so, so we realized between uh, worship and, and the message, we forgot communion. And so I was like, I'll just do it during closing. And Holy Spirit started speaking. And so I feel like this is what was supposed to happen the whole time. Yeah. And so Royce, if you and your team want to get ready and start passing out the communion packages or devices or whatever you want to call them, uh, we're going to do communion together today, all right? So hold on to him for just a minute. And uh, we're going to do this together as a family. But, you know, Jesus said at the first communion, when he he broke the bread and he passed the cup, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And I, I say this every time I do communion. And we always come back to this. But the thing is, when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he was talking about so much because Jesus is so much. So yeah, he meant remember my broken body. He he meant uh, remember my blood that flows for for your healing and forgiveness and and the forgiveness of, of sins. But he also meant remember the people that I healed when I was with you and remember all the words that I said and remember every moment that I spent with you. And that's just in the Bible times. Then when, when, when that, that living word, Jesus says, remember me, when that's spoken to us 2,000 years later, we're talking about remembering everything that he's done for us and every, every interaction through our lives and every time we were in a dark place, but he carried us through. We wanna remember every one of those, but here's something that we wanna remember today, because today is Pentecost Sunday. And Jesus said some stuff about Pentecost Sunday. John 14, verses 15 through 19 says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads all, or who leads who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So the picture of this, if I'm not incorrect, I believe I'm, I'm correct. Holy Spirit was in Jesus and on Jesus and working with Jesus from the moment that he was baptized and the, the dove came down and God was like, hey, I'm, I'm really proud of this guy. Right. Holy Spirit was with Jesus from that point on. And in the Old Testament, Holy Spirit was only ever working on about like one person at a time. Holy Spirit would work with and speak through a prophet, or work through and, and speak through a judge, or, or work with and speak through uh, Jesus or, or whoever, one at a time. So Jesus says, You know, Holy Spirit, because Holy Spirit is standing in front of you. But soon after I leave, Holy Spirit will be in you. Jesus continues. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And since I live, you will live. So we have Jesus pointing towards Holy Spirit. As Pastor Sean said before. In John 16, verses five through seven, uh, Jesus says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Jesus is saying, you have your eyes on the wrong thing. You have your eyes on the wrong thing. Don't be sad because I'm not gonna be with you. Get your eyes where they belong, get your eyes on the plan, get your eyes on God, get your eyes where they, the future, right? So Jesus continues, in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come, Holy Spirit won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you." So today, with this communion, let's remember Jesus' plans for us. Let's remember that Holy Spirit is good for us and that Jesus left so that Holy Spirit could come. And Holy Spirit points us back to Jesus and Jesus only ever does what he sees the Father doing. And now we're caught in this really big kind of a circle of of God, pointing us, constantly pointing us back to himself and constantly pointing us back to his love and constantly pointing us back to who he is and who he's created us to be. That's what we're remembering this morning. So if you guys can open up the top half of that, go ahead, get out your little wafer. If you're at home, grab a Dorito or uh, whatever's bready. Whatever you have close by, grab something. And uh, guys, this isn't about the thing. That you're holding, it's about the spirit behind it, right? We're, we're not remembering uh, a religion. I don't have two hands, thank you. Uh, <laughs> we're not remembering uh, a spiritual act, and this isn't part of a religion. This is part of a relationship. So, what you have in your hand isn't what matters, it's the spirit behind it. It's what it reminds us of, and what it, it's what it connects us to. Oh, Jesus, I thank you so much for your body broken for us. Thank you so much for everything that you went through in your death, and your resurrection, but also in your life before. And I thank you for your sacrifice. To us, it would be a sacrifice to leave the people that you loved, to go back and and sit with the Father. Obviously, there's joy sitting with the Father, but, but you left us so that something better could happen. And that's a form of sacrifice too, Jesus, and we recognize that along with all the rest of your sacrifices, and we thank you for that today in your name. Go ahead and uh, take the uh, bready element, whatever that might be. And Jesus, we thank you for your blood, your blood spilt so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be washed clean, so that we could be healed. Oh, Jesus, that precious flow To someone coming in from the outside, this sounds like a really, really gross thing to do. But Jesus, we know different. We know that because you were broken, because you bled, our lives get to be completely different. So Jesus, we thank you again for that. And we remember all that you've done and all that you've said. And we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. In your name we pray, amen.